views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you so very dearly. Uh, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show Transformation Talk Radio and the Transformation Network. Thank you guys for tuning us in, turning us on. I want to give a shout out to all of you that were at, that were at the event in Tacoma last weekend. And we would love to have all of you that were not at that event. Please show up on Saturday in Bellevue. Uh, it's a Global Women's Summit. And the Global Women Summit, uh, thanks uh, to Paula and the folks at the Win Online, uh, have done something extraordinary. They have gone out and they have said, you know what, just come on down. They have waived the entrance fee. So for those of you who are thinking, oh, man, I'm just not going to be able to do it now, don't really have the money or whatever that little chatter is that goes on in your mind, say no more. You know, we have created a way for you to do that, and uh, it is an amazing way to do that. There's a special code for you to punch in. All you need to do is send us an, e- an email at info at the com, and we'll help you out with all of that. It's going to be an extraordinary weekend, extraordinary. Lots of celebrations, lots of folks to honor for their work in the world. Um, let's talk a little bit about honoring uh, one for work in the world. You know, what's kind of cool is when I get to wake up every day and I get to kind of look at um, several things that are really, really important to me. Um, You know, one of the things I discover is that, uh, you know, every day things are changing for me. But the one thing that have not changed is my connection to the divine. Uh, And what I mean by that is my connection to the source of what I believe is my energetic outlook on living an abundantly beautiful and loving life. Um, And this is really something that I have to, I have had to come along the way and have had a journey about. And so right now I am thrilled to introduce to you all someone that has had many, many conversations with the divine, with God, someone that has said an incredible yes to his purpose and his calling in life. And, you know, I, I, I was just saying during the, during the break before the show, it's been a long time since he's been on the show. Uh, 11 years later, we're still here with the show, you know, close to uh, 9,000 conversations, and we are just warming up. 
Today, I get to introduce those of you that may or may not know who Neil Donald Walsh is. I get to introduce you to him. Many of you know of the many, many books, the many, many events he does. You know, 28 books on spirituality and its practical application. Um, men, many of us got introduced to Neil through I- conversations with God, the books, the movie, uh, and all of the above. You got to ask yourself, I mean, how is it that there are some people like Neil who have this powerful, powerful message uh, about God, the redefinition you know, how to shift spiritual paradigms around the world. And some of us have taken that long and winding road to even understand the godness that is in ourselves and in the world. And so I'm thrilled to be talking with him about his latest masterpiece, which is God's messages to the world. And, you know, it may or may not be what you all think. And that's, be, and that's why we're going to give away two copies of, of this incredible book. Um, I love living in the question mark and in the place of what else is possible. And I think that's what Neil has done to bring that conversation to the forefront. Neil, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Pat. It's lovely to be here with you, and I appreciate that very kind and generous introduction. I want to say at the outset that all of us are having conversations with God all the time. It's not just about me or a few of us for that matter, but that every single human being on the planet who has ever lived, is living now, and ever will live, uh, has had and is having a conversation with God all the time. The question is not to whom is God talking, the question is who is listening. That's why I wrote the book, God's Message to the World, colon, You've Got Me All Wrong. And the, the subtitle of that book is the most important part of what's on the cover. You've Got Me All Wrong is the <laughs> message that God is now sending to the planet, urgently inviting human beings to explore their deepest understandings about God, to see if, it, if it's true that there might be something we don't fully understand about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything. Mm. You know, I, I want to ask you a question as we, do, you know, just, uh, just dive right into this, is <clears throat> uh, some people call living in a place of discomfort inner discomfort, discontent, despair, uh, and uh, look to the outside world a lot of times, Neil, to, oh, geez, if I, Neil, look, if I've only had, if I only bought that house, or wait a minute, it, that car, or maybe that job, you know that job that Johnny got? That really should have been my job. Uh, then I would be much more happier. I'd live in peace. Well, wait a minute, how about the love of my life? And so, you know, People would say, here we are so extended in the outside world. Isn't that God? what God wants for us? I think it's very uh, understandable uh, that people would feel uh, that these exterior events and circumstances, conditions and situations uh, would make them happier. And the honest truth is, in many cases, that's, that, that is what's so. Yeah. In fact, these kinds of events can make a person happier, but... My experience has been that the happiness is transitory. It's very short-lived. It doesn't last throughout the better part of one's life or even for a very long period of time. Anyone who has been in love and, 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 and then formed a partnership with that person understands what I'm saying. Anyone who's been looking for the right and perfect job and then actually gotten the job and then looks back three years later and understands exactly what I'm saying because the truth is that the highest 
experience of joy and happiness does not come from any exterior circumstance or event, but from an interior experience that completes the agenda of why we came here to begin with. My experience, Pat, is that most people have not been taught or told who we really are and why we've actually come to the earth. That is, what is our, what's the point of being a physical being? So if we think that the point of it is to get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the house, get the office in the corner, get the bigger car, get the better job, get the kids, get the grandkids, and all those things that we get caught up in in our life, if we think that that's the point of it all, not, not something that proves the point, but something that is the point, see, then I think we're going to get caught up in a pathway that leads us to, like you said, utter despair and sadness and, and, and uh, chronic depression. If, on the other hand, the things that we do in our life, I'm not arguing for us not doing things, you know, go for the job, apply for the, for the perfect position, you know, go after the, your perfect spouse, make yourself available to life itself, for sure, but do it, do it as an outflow of your actual inner agenda, uh, as an outflow of your real purpose for being on the earth. Don't make that your purpose for being on the earth, but make that the evidence that your purpose is being fulfilled. I love it. You know, uh, I love the subtitle of the book, Neil. And this is for those of you just uh, tuning in, God's message to the world. You got me all wrong. You got me all wrong. And, you know, I think if you were to ask a lot of folks, uh, and maybe I'm just a, maybe I'm just delusional for a minute here, but I think if you would ask a lot of folks, certainly if you would ask me, um, I would look back at my life and I would see, you know, the struggles that I've had was in trying to fit in with the way I was told to know and honor God and whatever inner guidance system I had that said, that ain't it, girl. Uh you know, do you think I'm alone or do you think that we are living in a place now where people are starting to wonder, what is that gnawing feeling at me that says, uh, you know, God may not be this? Well, you're certainly not alone, Pat, obviously. There are millions of people, I'm going to say advisedly billions of people, who are having the same feeling. Uh, the the more we as a, as a uh, species evolve, we begin to ask ourselves these questions. Is it possible to repeat the earlier inquiry? In fact, is it possible that there's something we don't fully understand here, the understanding of which would change everything? Something we don't understand about God, about life, about ourselves? Do we have all the data, or are we just beginning to gather the data? And I think that the second thing is true. We're a very young species, you know, Pat. We've only been around for a very short period of time relative Mm -hmm. to the age of this planet. To, to say nothing of the age of the universe. Somebody a few years ago wrote a book in which a paragraph appeared in which we were compared, that is, our evolutionary process was compared just to the um, age of the Earth alone, put on a scale of one year. If we just took the age of the Earth and placed it on a calendar year, the entire of human history has occurred since in the last 30 seconds of that year. We didn't even have dinosaurs on the planet till December 7th on that scale. Human beings didn't appear until around December 28th, and all of human history in the last 30 seconds of the year. The point being that we are a very, very young species just emerging into the cosmic community of sentient beings. So now, as we move through that emergence, we find out that, in fact, billions of us are asking, is it true? Are these uh, ideas we've had about God, in fact, what's really so? God is to be feared. Um, God demands obedience. God sees us as imperfect, and we cannot return to God in an imperfect state. 
God requires us to believe in God and to worship in a specific way. God is vengeful, and God's love can turn to wrath. God determines what is right and wrong. God has a plan for us. God is on our side. God honors self-sacrifice, long-suffering, and martyrdom. God sometimes answers our prayers and sometimes does not. God will reward us or punish us on Judgment Day. God wants us all to return to heaven. And the biggest misunderstanding of all, God is separate from us. These are ideas that human beings have held for thousands and thousands of years, and all of them, every single one of them, is inaccurate. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, Neil, I, I have to tell you that I, I wish we would have had a couple of hours to do this show because there's really a lot of this that I would love to make sure we get on the air. We're going to take a short break, everyone. We, when we come back, we're going to talk with Neil Donald Walsh. And this is uh, for many of us, you know, reading this book was like breathing. It's, it's almost like a recognition of, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh, I'm not crazy. There is something that wasn't fitting or working for me, but I just didn't have the words for it. Well, guess what? That's why we have Neil Donald Walsh. <laughs> Let's take a short break. Let's take a short break, everyone. When we come back, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit with, Leah, with Neil about, you know, what is it going to take for those of us that have been brought up with some very, very strict conditions about our spirituality? What's it going to take for us? to put a different pair of glasses on. We'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about some of the misunderstandings. Neil Donald Walsh, everyone, we'll be right back. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellnessone.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellnessone.net. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Pat. I know you've heard my friend and colleague, John G. Sutton, on my show. Well, guess what? He is now going to be a regular each month. I know many of you have experienced John live on air and how absolutely incredibly accurate he has been. So guess what? He's going to be joining us every month. For those of you that want to find out more about John and schedule your amazing session, go to psychicworld.net. Don't forget to stay tuned and tune in for John G. Sutton on the Dr. Pat Show every month. Ascended Master Sabrina says, create your world like a child playing in a sandbox. Join Wendy R. Wolf on Monday evening, November 24th, 6.30 to 9 p.m. Near Seattle Center at the Blue House, Sabrina is a graceful, childlike master who can teach us how to create our life and our world with freedom and ease. Visit HealGrowShine.com to find out how you can come play for free. That's HealGrowShine.com. Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. 
Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information. Join Dr. Pat Basile for an extraordinary event right here in the Pacific Northwest. The Global Women's Summit, presented by the Women's Information Network, is coming to Bellevue. Join us as we discover life and wealth mastery techniques and promote success and happiness for women worldwide. Saturday, November 22nd, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Maidenbauer Center in Bellevue, Washington. Register online now at thewinonline.com and don't miss out. Welcome to Smile Big, nominee of Seattle's Top Dentist Awards. Here at Smile Big, we offer restorative, cosmetic, and preventative dentistry. Some of our regular dental services include tooth-colored fillings, crowns, bridges, implants, bleaching, cosmetic bonding, and complete smile restoration. Dr. James Rosenwald and Dr. Susan Abdener won't be smiling until you are smiling. Call now to schedule a visit with Seattle's Top Dentists. Our number is 425-454-4040. You can even visit our website at smilebig.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. I'm so thrilled to have all of you out there tuning us in, turning us on. Certainly, you're welcome to chime in, call into the show. You know our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. Certainly, if you've got a question for Neil, Neil Donald Walsh joining me here today, New York Times bestselling author, um, and much more than that. If you want to take a minute and just go check out his website, certainly go do that. You can go to neildonaldwalsh.com. And you're going to be able to see the various programs he has. He's got videos on there. He's got a mentor program, Daily Inspiration. And he's got a little countdown clock, which I love. I, I always love countdowns to the holiday retreat or the holiday anything. And so you're going to find that there. Click on the full calendar. You'll find out where he is. Um, and, uh, you know, just connect. Connect with him. Uh, Neil, thank you for joining me here today. And, you know, certainly there's so much in this book. Uh, to chat about, and I'm going to do my best to to grab some of the nuggets that caught hold of me. Um, but before the break, I was talking about this idea that in order for us to embrace um, some of the things that, you know, have come to the forefront here in God's message to the world, you've got me all wrong, um, is this idea that we have to change um, uh, from where we are now with our point of view to another one, or at least be open to the possibilities. And I want to ask you, uh, what does that look like? What will that take? And, and here's the other question. I know you talk about this in the book. What's our motivation for it? <laughs> well, let me answer the second question first. The, motivation, right. is, the motivation is simply open your eyes and look at the world. Open your eyes and look at your life. If that doesn't motivate you to think that there may be something we don't fully understand here about God and about life, the understanding of which would change everything, then nothing will. So if we, if we open uh, our Internet you know, news pages or whatever, or look around and watch television 
check out CNN or, you know, whatever. And if you're looking at the world around you, that doesn't give you a clue that, wait a minute, wait a minute, <clears throat> in the first quarter of the 21st century, we really ought to be doing better than this. It's inconceivable to us that in this uh, period of time in our life, after being here thousands and thousands of years, do you know that, you know that 1.6 billion people on this planet, 1.6 billion people, do not have electricity. 1.7 billion do not have access to clean water. And 2.6 billion do not have sanitation. That is, they don't even have a water closet but to relieve themselves. That's 2.6 billion people. Eight, uh, one person out of eight in, in, in the world right now will go to bed hungry tonight. That's, it. That's inconceivable in a civilization that imagines itself, in fact, to be civilized. Our next step, therefore, is to civilize civilization. What would motivate us to do so? Simple caring about humanity and simple looking at our own lives. I don't know how everyone else is doing, but when I looked at my life uh, 10 or 15 years ago, I could see many, many areas in which clearly there was something I did not understand, and I knew that if I did finally understand it, it could possibly change everything. But then the search really began. So that's the motivation, is just to look at our lives and look at the world. If, if everything, by the way, is okay with you, if you're looking at the world and looking at your life and you're saying, you know what, I wouldn't change anything. This is a perfect world. I like everything exactly the way it is. Then the discussion's closed. There's nothing more to explore. If, on the other hand, you have a thought that we can do better in the year 2014, we can do better than this, then that's your motivation. Now, as to what it will take... I think it would take not a, so much a rejection of what we have come to understand about God and about life, but a, but a thought that maybe there's more. I've been saying for a long time that it isn't that religions, for that matter, or any of our fundamental sacred beliefs, whether they're religious or philosophical or political, it's not that those beliefs may be wrong, inherently inaccurate, but that they may be simply incomplete. My thought is that we are very much, that is humanity, as a species, we are very much like children who have learned to add and to subtract, and we imagine that that's all there is to mathematics. So we, we've got the beginnings of it, but there's more to it than that. And I think that's the sadness, is that we've learned to add, and we've learned to subtract. We haven't considered the possibility that there's actually multiplication and long division to say nothing of trigonometry, or for that matter, higher mathematics. So we, we've got the nub of it, just the kernel of it, the beginnings of it, and we think we've got all of it. That's the problem. And the arrogancy of some, I want to say this kindly, with no ill intent, but the arrogancy of some religions to say, no, 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 you don't understand. This is all there is to know. We know all there is to know on this subject. Don't even ask questions. You don't understand, Pat, that in certain countries you cannot even ask a question about whether something in Holy Scripture, whatever the Scripture might be, is inaccurate or what it means or how could that possibly be that's considered an ecclesiastical sin called apostasy and mm. or heresy or even blasphemy if you were to suggest that there might be something more to know about this and people have been killed for reasons like that so we are living really in a frankly a very primitive primitive society what would motivate us to to change things simply open one's eyes yeah and, you know, I asked that question because, you know, Neil, I mean, I don't think I'm alone. You know, I, I was I was talking about uh, I was talking about something that had to do with my, you know, my upbringing and my, you know, my uh, my beliefs uh, and what I learned as a child, the kinds of schools I went to. And it was fascinating. I, I was in a small group of people and I said, yeah, you know, um, 
I think I made some kind of, of comment that, uh, you know, my, my level of Christianity in my life literally helped me. And, and the person next to me said, well, wait a minute, you weren't, you're, you're not, you weren't quit Christian, you were a Catholic. And I thought, okay, wait a minute. All right, I had to think about this. I mean, I mean, that may have been true, but it was really an interesting comment to make because what it said to me a little bit, Neil, and maybe you can comment on this, that I guess in my upbringing, nobody would have stopped me because I grew up in both a Southern Baptist and a Catholic family. Um, no one would have stopped me with that comment because I don't even know that I even know the distinction personally, Neil. You know, I mean, I, but but people know the distinctions now. And I think that's what I've seen change so much in my lifetime, how distinct we are with things. You know, what's sad, uh, after 9-11, there was a uh, major um, service that was conducted at Yankee Stadium. Uh, thousands of people, many thousands, 50,000 people filled Yankee Stadium, which was made available to the city at, at no, for free for a multi-service uh, um, event to pray to God that we might find out, you know, what has caused this horrible event of 9-11, which devastated New York and the world, of course, and, and, to, and to ask God for help and clarity and understanding and all those wonders, and peace, of, most of all, peace. Well, ministers from many of the world's religions showed up at Yankee Stadium to offer public prayers, Muslim mm -hmm. imams and Catholic priests and Lutheran ministers, and Jewish rabbis and members of every faith tradition on the planet were there for that extraordinary event. They were roundly criticized, in some cases, by the religions themselves. For instance, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod was furious that their ministers would pray on the same stage with an imam from the Muslim faith or a rabbi from the Jewish faith. They said it was apostasy to even do so. When we get into a place where we start criticizing each other even inside of a religion, I mean, the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cannot even agree with the Lutheran Church Wisconsin Synod. I mean, help us out. What are we doing here when we start parsing the syllable, a one-syllable word, God, and try to make it a 12-syllable word, only one of which is supposedly accurate? You're perfectly correct. It's, it's, it's phenomenally unbelievable that anyone would, would say, say there's a difference between a Christian or a Catholic, or for that matter, between any believer in any faith whatsoever and a believer in any other faith, or let's go one step further. What is the difference between a person who simply loves life, loves their idea of what God is in their own mind, and doesn't belong to any church, faith, or religion whatsoever? Why do we need to make people wrong in the name of what we declare is right? God would never and has never done that. It would never do that. So we need to have a new understanding of who and what God really is and what God wants. I wrote a book a few years ago called What God Wants. It's a very dangerous book. It says on the back of the cover, don't read this book if you're afraid to read a dangerous book. Because it talks about exactly what God wants, and I can tell you what God does not want. Do you really think that God is the God of the brand name? A brand name God who says if you're Catholic, you're in, you're in, you're, you're in with me. But if you are, even if you're another brand of Christian, a Baptist, or a Mormon, which is, by the way, a Christian church, mm -hmm. or a Lutheran, or a Protestant, or a Methodist, you're not going to... You know what, Pat? When I was a child in the Catholic Church, 
I was told by the nun in my school I could not attend a service at a Methodist or a Lutheran or a Baptist church. It was against God's wishes. And I was so scared. I was so afraid. And, and I, I was invited to be a... Um, to, stay, to be a, an usher at the at the uh, wedding of a close friend of mine, but he was getting married in the Methodist Church, and the, the uh, well, I was in eighth grade, just just getting into high school, and he offered me this wonderful honor. You know, I was so excited. I get to wear a white sport coat and a pink carnation and all the rest. I got to be an usher at his wedding, and the nun said I couldn't do it, or but if I did do it, that I would have to be removed from the altar boys. So I was an altar boy, very proud to be an altar boy at the age of, you know, when I was in eighth grade. And she would have to remove me if she learned that I went to that service at another church. What in the world have we been teaching our children for thousands and thousands of years? No wonder, even now, millions of people around the planet are so afraid of God and so afraid of each other. No wonder we have the experiences that we're having right now, even as we speak on this planet, of people beheading other people in the name of God. Mm. You know, in God's name, can we stop the killing in God's name? Yeah, I mean, this is really for me, you know, as I think about this and as I've read your book, Neil, one of the things that I've become acutely aware of is how 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 things are changing. You know, I know there were, are rules and regulations. Of course, the, the current pope we have has since changed one of them that my stepmom would have appreciated, and that is this idea of divorce. Because I, too, I watched my, the heartbreak in my mom when she married my dad and attempted to uh, uh, change her religious uh, philosophy. And the fact that she was divorced, she couldn't do that. Nobody loved God in my world that I know than my mom. It was, I mean, and the words, Neil, that would flow from her mouth were so different you know, they were words about a God that is benevolent, abundant, you know. I mean, there were just so many different things that I was exposed to as a child that made life very incongruent as I got to be an adult. And that's what we're going to talk about next with Neil. You know, God's message to the world, you've got it all wrong. When we come back, we're going to find out some of the things that perhaps we've gotten wrong. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the show with Neil Donald Walsh. We, we don't have to worry about nothing. We got the fire. Get sophisticated with David and Philip Zarza. David and Philip touch on topics such as human potential, spirituality, pop culture, and purposeful living. Experience an insightful reading from David on what the universe has in store for you. Or reconnect with a departed loved one. Philip can look into an issue or anything else you may be dealing with. Go to GetSophisticated.com. That's S-O-P-H-I-S-T-I-G-A-Y-T-E-D.com. Or call 206-420-8660. If you are one of the millions of Americans suffering from anxiety, you probably know how powerless and out of control this emotion can make you feel. This is why it is so important to remember that anxiety is created by your mind, which means that you can learn to use your mind to uncreate it. Hello, my name is Dr. Friedman Schaub. My award-winning book, The Fear and Anxiety Solution, provides you with a step-by-step breakthrough process to understand and resolve 
the root causes of your anxiety and build a solid foundation of confidence and inner peace. If you are ready to take your power back, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. That's thefearandanxietysolution.com or call 866-903-6463. That's 866-903-MIND. Join Dr. Pat Basile for an extraordinary event right here in the Pacific Northwest. The Global Women's Summit, presented by the Women's Information Network, is coming to Bellevue. Join us as we discover life and wealth mastery techniques and promote success and happiness for women worldwide. Saturday, November 22nd, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Maidenbauer Center in Bellevue, Washington. Register online now at thewinonline.com and don't miss out. Tune in each Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 Eastern Time on Transformation Talk Radio to Limelight Radio with Katina Macris. This is an inspirational, cutting-edge radio show educating worldwide listeners on a diversity of Lyme disease-related topics. Each week, Katina will interview some of the world's leaders in health, wellness, spirituality, and human potential. For more information, visit LimeLightRadio.com. Would you like to be a question with anything that comes up in your body or mind? Would you like to become totally aware and begin to function as the conscious being you truly are? Join Access Certified Facilitator Glenna Rice every month for a live teleclass where you can ask all of your questions and learn to create change in any aspect of your life. Visit GlennaRice.com today to learn more and don't miss the next call. Join the questionable conversation today at GlennaRice.com. See us from outer space, outer space, light it up. Like we're the stars of the human race, human race. When the light is hey everybody, welcome back. For many of you, you know, let's give it, Benny, let's give a copy of the book away. God's message to the world. First caller, you've got me all wrong. Neil Donald Walsh is my very special guest today, New York Times bestseller. Uh, Neil, I know we've talked about quite a few things. I, I, I would love to chat with you a little bit about this idea of you've got it all wrong and, and, and ask you, as you were writing this, um, there could be many, many things that make it into your book. Um, but I wanted to ask you, out of all of these things we've gotten wrong, which ones of these come to the top for you? Oh, oh, there's no question. The very first one, God is to be feared. Mm. If you take if you take the fear of God out of the equation, vir- virtually all of the other uh, statements, all of the other misunderstandings uh, dissolve. They just simply evaporate. Most of the <clears throat> statements and beliefs that people hold about God are foundationed in the idea that God's love can turn to wrath in a moment, and that God is to be feared, and that we will be punished with everlasting damnation. Uh, in the eternal fires of hell, if we don't do the, such and such, this thing and that thing, and believe in a certain way. And so, the, without a doubt, the most fundamental and, and grievous misunderstanding that we have about God is that God is to be feared, God's love can turn to wrath, and God is, gonna, God is a, you know, a violent, angry, vindictive, uh, and condemning God. You know, the Bible indicates, if you read the Bible with a calculator, and I invite people to do that, I always say, if you think I'm exaggerating, just get a copy of the Bible and put a calculator next to you and read the Bible over a period of a couple of weeks with a calculator and punch in the numbers every time there's a narrative about God 
who uh, an, an instance in which God has killed other people at the hand or the command of the divine, you will find that over two million people have been killed, apparently, ostensibly, according to the narrative in the Bible, at the hand or the command of God. <clears throat> so we believe in a God who kills people. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a remarkable thought, it's a remarkable idea that, that God's love can turn to wrath simply because, to use a silly example, we've chosen the wrong religion. doesn't matter how sincere you are, how pure was your intent, how deep-seated and highly motivated was your search or your seeking. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're a kind person, a generous person, a compassionate person, a forgiving person, a totally unconditionally loving person. None of those things matter. If you belong to the wrong religion, you're out. And not only are you out, not only are you not going to go to heaven, which is bad enough, but you're actually going to be punished with everlasting damnation and uh, unending torture in the fires of hell. This is a God in whom billions continue to believe. And, of course, our belief in such a God is what allows us to claim the moral authority to treat each other in the same way, to run rampaging through the countryside, as Christians did for the 300 years of the Crusades, as Muslims did and have done and continue to do to this very day in certain parts of the world, claiming that they are acting on behalf of and in defense of the Word of God. So there you are. There you have it. You know that's that's obviously the, the single most unbelievable misunderstanding that we have about God. Why in the world would God require us to fear God? And and what's fascinating is we are at the same time commanded to love God. The great what's called the so-called greatest commandment to love your uh, love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. How in the world do you love someone who you are so desperately afraid of? Therefore, human beings, in their own experience, have confused love and fear and mixed them all up, making it impossible for us to even love each other unconditionally, because we imagine that we will treat each other the same way that God treats us. In other words, step out of line, and my love for you is gone. No such thing as unconditional love. I love you if. And that's how we have God understood. I love you if. You know, Neil, one of the things that I've discovered along the way to <laughs> along the way to the spirituality fair, uh, one of the things that I've discovered, especially after reading your, your book, is um, there are some folks right now that are out in the spiritual community um, that have decided we're going to have a different interpretation of the Bible. They're not saying I'm. I, I, I'm they're not saying, oh, we're not going to talk about the Bible anymore. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, wait a minute. There's a different interpretation of the Bible. You know, there is an interpretation that says we're all divine. We're all meant to live in an abundant world, you know, where we are empowered by uh, a God that wants everything that we want for ourselves. I mean, so there's there's a kind of a little different movement. And it's not quite and it's not in the new thought arena, because a lot of the new thought folks really had a conversation about about this kind of God early on, way early on. But but in the realm of Christianity, a friend of mine was telling me, and she said, have you heard about this guy? You know, I want you to listen to this guy. And so it's interesting, you know, that we're seeing different conversations about the nature of God, right? That what if God wasn't this, I'm going to kill everybody God. What if we had a different God? And The so, question still remains, is God exclusionary? 
Exactly. I, I, if I was talking to that Christian exactly. friend of yours, yep. if I was talking to that Christian friend of yours who said, have you listened to this guy? My yep. answer would have been, is he still preaching a God who is exclusionary? In other words, either you're a Christian or you're out. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, the answer is going to be, uh, you know, go get yourself a Bible-based church. And if you don't, then you're out by the very nature of that. So so there is that point. I guess I'm asking you, um, the call to action that I hear in reading the book is a call to action to please, let's, you know, let's open our eyes. Um, I don't think you're even entertaining with us to even understand how we got to where we are. I think people know. But part of what you're asking us to do is look at a different kind of God. One of the misunderstandings you talk about is God and a man's obedience. And, you know, that is, uh, that's a misunderstanding you talk about in the book. I think that's one of the, how should I say it? That's probably one of the most controversial of, of some of what you've written. Because almost every deity that I know of believes in some kind of obedient, super natural, not all male, but most, uh, entity. I think that the idea that God demands obedience is foundationed in the idea that God needs something. Mm. If God needed nothing, then we would not worship, not obedience, not, you know, anything at all, really. Mm -hmm. If God was needless, uh, then God would not require us to obey, to obey uh, God because God would not have any reason uh, to place that requirement before humanity. So the, uh, there's, a, there's a false notion that's, that's rested on the first illusion of humans, and uh, that, that first illusion is that, the, that, that somehow God needs something. It's, it's the first misunderstanding about God, that God needs something. Second misunderstanding is that not only does God need something, obedience or, you know, praise or a prayerful, you know, response or adulation or worship. Not only does God need these things, and worship, by the way, in a particular way, thank you very much, not just any way, but in the, right. uh, through the eye of a needle in a very particular way. But not only does God need these things, but then we get to illusion number two. God can actually fail to get what he needs. Here we have a God who not only needs something, but cannot get it. Then the third illusion, that God uh, depends on human beings to give God what God needs. And the fourth illusion is that we were separated from God because we failed to give God what God needs, but even now, from our separated position, we are still required to give God what God needs. And then the fifth illusion about God is that failing to give God what God so desperately needs requires God, in the name of justice, to punish us with everlasting damnation. It's an extraordinary convoluted theology that suggests that God is this incredibly phobic being in the universe who can't get along without what he needs from us, pushed us away from him to begin with because we didn't give him what he needs, and now, having pushed us away, still requires us to give it to him anyway. I mean, it's just a remarkable construction that's very hard to believe when you look at it rationally. Therefore, we are forced to believe in a totally irrational, cruel, inhumane, vindictive God who desperately needs us to behave in a certain way, or he's going to get us. You know, one of the things that I, I also want to, you know, ask you about along these same lines is, you know, how interesting, when you wrote this, how interesting, it, it's almost like if I laid these out randomly on a piece of paper, you know, it's so interesting how when you put them all together, there is something new 
different that emerges. You know, if I looked at every one of these uh, misunderstandings, I would like to take a few more and I'm going to like to skip the next break, is if we looked at these and we put them on a piece of paper, you know, the question that I love to ask myself is, can I live with this? Can I, li- can I live that uh, there is a misunderstanding about God, that God sometimes answers our prayers and sometimes does not? Because that's one of the misunderstandings you listen, that you listed. And honestly, for me, I had to say to myself, no, I, I, want, I want God to answer all my prayers, Neil. I, I don't want to be like pick and choose, right? Well, that's exactly right. The idea that God answers some of our prayers and fails to answer others raises the ultimate question: Why? Yes. What would God? Cho- why? What would cause God to choose to answer prayer A and decline prayer B? What? What is it? The, the worthiness of the recipient, whether they're coming from the right religious background, whether they deserve to have a prayer answered, whether it's in their highest and best good. What you know? By what measurement would God decide to answer Joni's prayer but not Bill's? Robert's prayer, but not Margaret's. I mean, how, how, you know, what is, and of course the answer is that God answers all, all of our prayers all the time. God, God, it's not God's job, nor is it God's function, to take a look at our prayers and individually evaluate the billions of prayers sent up by the billions and billions of people on this one planet of the trillions of planets in the universe. It's, it's, that's not how God functions. What God did in God's incredible love for all of life, is to simply supply life with the divine power to have their own prayers answered if they only knew how to use it. That's the teaching of every great spiritual master. The Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, all the great spiritual masters of all time have made it clear, ask and it shall be given. As you believe, so will it be done unto you. And as one of those masters once said, why are you so amazed? These things and more shall you do also. Right. And and yet we we are at this place, you know, this point where most of our lives are governed through fear, governed by fear. Um, decisions are made from a fear based place. And the idea of trusting in uh, that inner voice that is trying to guide us uh, seems to get silenced more times than not. And so let's talk about what you call the finest and biggest misunderstanding about God. Uh, and certainly this has shown up in my life a lot. Uh, thank God. I, th- thank God for getting older. That's all I can say. Uh, and you talk about God is separate from us. And boy, this, this can, this, that comment can launch major debates among people from many, many, many different spiritual practice. The very notion that God may not be separate or may actually be within us. And, 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 and what if I said, Neil, oh, I am God. What happens with that? Many people believe, most people believe, in what I call a separation theology. That is, a theology that says God's over there and we're over here and never the twain shall meet except perhaps mm-hmm. on Judgment Day. Otherwise, God's over there and we're over here, separate from each other. That, that wouldn't be so bad, my friend, if that's all there was to it. I mean, let, let's, like, everybody can have their own beliefs. But a separation theology, unfortunately, produces a separation cosmology. That is a cosmological way of looking at things on the earth that says we live in a system of separation. 
everything is separate from everything else. Interdependent for sure, but separate nonetheless. And a separation cosmology inevitably produces a separation psychology, individual psychological profiles that allow us to feel very much alone and very separate from everyone and everything else, to say not the least of which is separate from God. And a separation psychology produces a separation sociology, that is entire societies that insist that they are separate from and better than, thank you very much, each other. Whites better than blacks, blacks better than whites, gays better than straights, straights better than gays, blah, 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 ad infinitum. And then the sad part about it is that a separation sociology ultimately produces a separation pathology. Pathological behaviors of self-destruction, observable and witnessed by everyone who even opens their eyes and sees what's happening on earth. Therefore, we see that theology creates cosmology, which creates psychology, which creates sociology, which creates pathology. That's the problem we have on the earth today. Now, imagine if we all thought that there was no separation between that which creates and that which has been created. Imagine that if we are all one, that God and we are the same essence, that we are individuations of God. We are not God. If someone, comes, I mean, not in the way that the classic way that we think the word is meant. Right. It mm-hmm. would be, of course, ridiculous to say I am God, but to say I am as I am to God as a drop is to the ocean, made of the same stuff and part of the same thing. Suddenly, the human mind can begin to embrace the awesome truth that there's no separation between us and God any more than there's a separation between the ocean and one of its drops. Doesn't it also beg uh, and the beg the uh, the idea that if in fact uh, there is no separation, meaning uh, we are essentially peers at some level, then I should have the same kind of power that we put in, you know, what we call God. And if I have that, how do I know I have it? And and, and how, do, how do I activate it? Well, you have the same power proportionate to your size. As yes. a drop has the same power as the ocean proportionate mm-hmm. to its size. If you take a drop of water and put it in the Petri dish on top of some sub-molecular particles, that drop of water would be as the ocean is to us. So we have power, the same power that, that is divine, proportionate to our size. That is, I have the ability to impact and to create and to co-create with others who are working with me my own individual uh, innermost reality. That is my experience of the collaboratively created exterior uh, reality that we are all uh, creating together. So, yeah, I have that I have that ability, I have that power, and that's been written about, by, by the way, by many uh, Christian people. The, the, the most famous one was Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, who was a very famous Christian minister, who wrote the book the power of positive thinking, making it very clear that we can uh, attach ourselves to and, and flow through us the power of God itself in creating individual positive results. Other books since then, and even before that time, were written on the very same subject. Emile Couet, the great French philosopher and, and the theologian, and the uh, he was a medical doctor as well, wrote a book about and talked about uh, the power of autosuggestion. Every day in every way, I, I get better and better, is what he told the soldiers to repeat to themselves in the World War I uh, field hospitals. And he found out that those who said that 100 times a day did, in fact, get better faster than those who did not. So and then, you know, most recently, The Secret, you know, the wonderful film and book, and, and the books of uh, Esther and Jerry Hicks, Ask yeah. and It Is Given. 
every single spiritual teacher from the beginning of religion has told us. Ask, and it is given. As you believe, so will it be done unto you. So that's how you use the power. It's very simple. It's a very, very simple process. Well, there, are t- the, you know, this is really for many people listening. You know, we're 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 just barely scratching the surface of of this. Um, the book is God's message to the world. You've got me all wrong. Neil Donald Walsh joining me here today. Um, uh, books available pretty much everywhere. Um, Neil, I, I know we've got a couple of minutes left, and I and I I think there's one last thing I'd love to talk with you about, and you know that is. Um, this idea of our potentiality in gripping a new paradigm around God. Um, and that's kind of what I would love for you to talk about, you know, as we wrap up the show, you, you know, the, the potentiality for what happens when we understand and we look at the, and, and truly understand these misunderstandings. Give me a glimpse or give us a glimpse, if you would, of the potentiality, not just for ourselves, but for humanity. Well, I had to get trite about it, but in fact, the sky is the limit. You know, the, the, our potentiality is utterly unlimited. If we decide that it is, and if we use the power that God has given us, and that God invites us to move through us as part of divinity being expressed individually, the, the, the uh, sky is the limit. There, there, is no, there is no limit to our potentiality. However, we have to ask a fundamental question. What are we doing on the earth? What is the point of life anyway? Is the point of life, in fact, to have unlimited potential in terms of getting the best job, finding the most ideal mate, earning the most money? I mean, is that what we're talking about here when we talk about unlimited potential? Or are we talking about the real reason we're on Earth? Conversations with God made it very clear, excuse me, that our whole point of being on the planet was very simple. Our reason for being on the Earth is to recreate ourselves anew in the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever we held about who we are. That is, to demonstrate divinity through the experience of humanity. That's what every great spiritual leader has taught us and told us and shown us by the living of their own lives. People like Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and others, Moses and the rest, we're not concerned about the kinds of things that we're concerned about. You know that 98% of the world's people are spending 98% of their time on things that don't matter. I repeat, on things that don't matter. I suggest in a book called The Only Thing That Matters that we... Start paying attention to the agenda of our soul, which is to express and experience the highest understanding of divinity that we can call to any single moment in our lives. What am I doing here? I invite people to ask themselves that question. You want to experience real potential? You want to know what unlimited potential is like? In every moment of your life, driving down the road, going to the store, standing in line at the bank, whatever, making love with your spouse, whatever you're doing, taking a shower, having a meal, whatever you're doing, ask yourself a simple question. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Neil, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Please let folks how, know how they can find out more about you, copies of the book, uh, and anything else you'd love for them to know. All they have to do is go to NDW. Those are my initials, Neil Donald Walsh, but it's NDWHome.com. That's my home page. It's easier to remember than trying to spell my name correctly. Just NDWHome.com. You'll find everything you want to know there. And I, I put up that website only for people who really feel they want to go further in their understanding of what's really true. God's message to the world is very clear. You've got me all wrong. I love it. Neil Donald Walsh, everyone. Hey, everybody, I want to thank you for tuning us in, turning us on. Uh, And by the way, love for you to get ready for another hour of the Dr. Pat Show. We'll see you next time.
Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Pat. I know you've heard my friend and colleague, John G. Sutton, on my show. Well, guess what? He is now going to be a regular each month. I know many of you have experienced John live on air and how absolutely incredibly accurate he has been. So guess what? He's going to be joining us every month. For those of you that want to find out more about John and schedule your amazing session, go to psychicworld.net. Don't forget to stay tuned and tune in for John G. Sutton on the Dr. Pat Show every month. Ascended Master Sabrina says, create your world like a child playing in a sandbox. Join Wendy R. Wolf on Monday evening, November 24th, 630 to 9 p.m. Near Seattle Center at the Blue House, Sabrina is a graceful, childlike master who can teach us how to create our life and our world with freedom and ease. Visit HealGrowShine.com to find out how you can come play for free. That's HealGrowShine.com. Tired of traditional talk? People pontificating about this or that, the left or the right. Sometimes the truth is just all lost in the noise. Tune in each week to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, as nationally known guests talk about what's important to you, your life, your concerns, and your success. Tune in and turn on to Straight Talk with Chuck Gallagher. Visit ChuckGallagher.com for more information. Join Dr. Pat Basile for an extraordinary event right here in the Pacific Northwest. The Global Women's Summit, presented by the Women's Information Network, is coming to Bellevue. Join us as we discover life and wealth mastery techniques and promote success and happiness for women worldwide. Saturday, November 22nd, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Maidenbauer Center in Bellevue, Washington. Register online now at thewinonline.com and don't miss out. Welcome to Smile Big, nominee of Seattle's Top Dentist Awards. Here at Smile Big, we offer restorative, cosmetic, and preventative dentistry. Some of our regular dental services include tooth-colored fillings, crowns, bridges, implants, bleaching, cosmetic bonding, and complete smile restoration. Dr. James Rosenwald and Dr. Susan Aptoner won't be smiling until you are smiling. Call now to schedule a visit with Seattle's Top Dentists. Our number is 425-454-4040. You can even visit our website at smilebig.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Pat. I'd like to share with you a recipe directly from my friends at Galeo's Cafe website. Try this barbecue lamb marinade and Galeo's miso marinade. Get your lamb shoulder cut into cubes and put into a deep dish. Add salt and pepper to taste, then fresh garlic. Yum! Three tablespoons of olive oil and six tablespoons of Galeo's Miso Sesame Seed Dressing Marinade. And leave overnight in the refrigerator. The Galeo's Miso Dressing will bring out the best taste of the lamb and make it very, very tender. Then you can barbecue the next day. This recipe is directly from Chef Andre himself, so we know it's going to be delicious. For more information and to order your dressing today, visit galeoscafe.com. That's G-A-L-E-O-S Cafe. Or ask for the dressings at your local grocery store. Remember, shipping is free. 